How's it going, everybody? We are back for a new episode of Pitching to Contact. My name is Rich Burfer. I am joined by my co-host, Pete Horner. And this week, we have a really special guest for you guys. But first off, Pete, how's it going? Have you been traded yet by the Seattle Mariners? Um, no, I have not yet, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sitting here waiting for my phone call. I'm anxiously looking at my text messages. Oh, God, I hope it's the Mets. I hope it's the Mets. What do you think your value is right now in the open market? Are you- open market? Are we talking free agency, Richard, or are we talking trade value? How many Carlos Santanas are you worth? Well, I mean, Carlos Santana is an on-base guy, but the contract is kind of an issue. Um, I would say I'm worth about a half a Carlos Santana. That's honestly not too bad. Um, but we're going to talk a lot of Seattle Mariners stuff on, on this podcast since they're literally trading everybody. We're recording on a Tuesday night, so hopefully they don't trade anyone else by Thursday. We're also going to talk some Patrick Corbin today. But first, we're also joined by the Southwest Regional Manager, Caleb Watkins. How's it going, dude? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. How's, how's your lifting program ahead of Vegas? You know, it's it's going pretty well. Um, you know, the goal is to be swole by Vegas, and you know, I, I think it's going to happen. So, um, Caleb, what is the process of like your lifting program getting you swole within the next five days before we get to Vegas? Basically, it's just to lift more than Richard. <laughs> okay, okay. How, um, how when you wake up in the morning, Caleb? Do you like just strive to be more swole than Richard? Is that I your do? Mind? You know what I do? I mean, the amount of you know guff that I get from Richard over the days and over the months, it's just it's really motivated me to make sure that I'm above his level. Oh, um, like, how much deadlift? What was that? How much did you deadlift? Um, let's see here. Uh, I deadlifted on. Sunday, so I hit 375. The goal was 405 by Vegas. We'll see if it happens. Shit. How <laughs> much <laughs> chicken, broccoli, and rice should, should I be eating to get to at least three plates by Vegas? You know, on Sunday, I, I cooked it up, and I've had it, you know, about five times a day since. So I think you need to you need to ump, amp it up just a little bit more than that. I'm going to be honest with you, Caleb. Literally, Richard and I were talking before he got on the pond and we started recording, and he was actually kind of secretly telling me, he's like, I'm feeling confident right now. I'm feeling good. I feel like Caleb isn't ready for this, man. He's yeah, ready. Well, well, keep in mind, I just started my cycle. And yeah, like, he did. So like I told him, I mean, he's got to ramp it up and bring his pre-workout to Vegas if he, if he wants to get to there. There we go. What time are we gymming at, man? Dude, 4 a.m. We got to get big while the others sleep. Oh, I like that. Um, if you guys don't know, um, Las Vegas is where the MLB winter meetings are taking place this year. We're going to be talking a lot of winter meeting stuff. But first, let's talk some Seattle Mariners. Pete, what is Dakota doing? I actually, um, you know, how do I put this? Typically, it's every offseason that we see Mr. DePoto or um, Detrado, I like to call him. Like at least put out like five, six, seven, eight, thirty-five trades in an off season. Typically, it's like for you know low risk, high reward players, and maybe like signing a Robinson Cano to make their team like seem on paper like they're playoff contending. But you know what? I actually like the moves that the Mariners are making right now. Um, I, I I'm a little skeptical about the Phillies move. I think they could have got a lot more value for Gene Segura than they did, but. The Mets trade, they got a lot of value back there. Um, and just in general, like, I really – I think it's a talent 
to actually understand that your team isn't necessarily going to be competitive and for you to take the talent that you have with a lot of deadweight contracts like Robinson Cano, all that kind of stuff, and still turn it into like value like Jared Kalenic and people like that. Like, I, I honestly, I love what the Mariners are doing right now overall. What about you, Richard? What are you thinking? Well, before we swing it over to Caleb, um, I really like the, the Seattle trade with uh, the, the Toronto Mets. Um, I think Jared Kill- Toronto Mets. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm from Canada. I almost said Toronto Mets. Uh, but anyways, I think Jared Kel- Kelenic was the best prospect in the 2018 draft, and I think he's going to be a stud and a superstar and a five-tool player. The fact that you can move a 35-year-old second baseman who's still making $24 million annually for the next five years until he's 40 and get a prospect out of it, I think that's incredible. And they still also got a good arm um, in Dunn. And with Edwin Diaz, he ran this dude into the ground last year. And you never know with relievers. Obviously, based on the market, you can see how valuable they are. But the fact that they got rid of that contract and got a really, really good prospect, I, I really like that. Um, as far as the Phillies trade, bit of a head-scratcher. Um, I kind of understand what they were going for. They're trying to get rid of everyone, and I think they're really high on Evan White, who's a first base uh, first baseman. He's a prospect down in their minor league system, and I'm assuming in the next couple of years he's going to be ready to take over the, um, the first base role in, in the major leagues. So I'm assuming Carlos Santana is just going to take over that spot for now. Um, I don't think they're going to be trying to compete over in the next couple of years. I think Mitch Hanniger is going to be on his way out soon. Alex Smith might even be traded. Who knows? And it seems like they're just clearing house right now, trying to stock up on, on prospects. You saw they added Sheffield for Paxson. Um, it's, yeah, wait, it's, wait, wait, wait. Are you trying to say that Jay Bruce and Carlos Santana aren't two studs in a lineup that can make you competitive in the AL West? I think on that note, it's time to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the Mariners deal, like like you said, I like it from the Mariners standpoint. All right. Um, I mean, their farm system is not towards the top of the order. So getting some uh, high-end prospects. I really like Kalenic. Uh, like you said, Richard, he was one of my favorites coming out of the draft this year. Dunn's another guy who's just a really strong arm who can really, you know, produce. Um I don't like it from the Mets standpoint. Like you said, Cano's 35 years old. Diaz got worked into the ground last year. And I, I don't see the point when they're giving up so much potential out of Don and Kalenic when they could have went out and got a guy in free agency for less than they're going to be spending on Cano and Diaz the next you know couple of years. I mean, yeah. in second base options, if you want to add another guy out there at second, because, okay, 35 years old Cano, how much longer can he play second base? That's the real question. And yeah. And now that he's in the NL, there's no DH. So why do you go and get a guy like that, especially when he only played half a season last year, when you could have went out and used your money other ways, and you could have got a guy like Brian Dozier or DJ LeMahieu? And that just makes more sense to me. And if you want a closer, yeah, I mean, I understand why you want Diaz. I mean, he was a stud last year. Even the last two years, he's been the best in saves. But you got guys like Familia, David Robertson, Adam Warren, Zach Britton, uh, let's see here, Andrew Miller. I mean, all those guys – can get you to that level that you want to be at in less of a cost from a prospect standpoint. The second Caleb said, let's see her, you just know that this guy wrote up a bunch of notes. He's more prepared for this podcast than Pete and I have ever been. Yeah, I completely agree with you on the fact that the Mets could have got 
a different second baseman for cheaper and for less term. They didn't have to go out and get Robinson Cano and trade a top prospect for him. Like you said, Dozier, there's a Daniel Murphy. You can find guys who can produce for short, for less money, for shorter term. And in terms of uh, Edwin Diaz, they're not an Edwin Diaz away from competing. Like, what are you doing right now? I, in my in my mind, I thought the Mets were going to trade the Grom in the next year or two. I thought they were going to try to trade Syndergaard in the next year or two and just clean house. They have Alonso in the minors. They have Kal- Kalenic in the, in the minors. And I thought that the Mets were just going to clean house with a new management and just try to build something new. But it doesn't seem that way anymore. And in terms of Seattle and what they're doing, I really like that they're trying to go young again. The Phillies trade was a little strange, but I get it. And maybe they see something in J.P. Crawford that many people don't. But and in terms of the Sheffield trade with uh, with the Yankees, because of the market this offseason, because of the amount of lefties on the market, I feel like the Seattle Mariners couldn't get enough value for Paxton. And Paxton had a really, really good year. He was actually just named um, the best Canadian baseball player of the year which is pretty lit. There's only eight of us in the majors. Um, wow, such a prestigious honor. If you beat out Votto, that's pretty dude. That's pretty good, man. And hey, Votto, Votto was saying how this year it was his lowest offensive production year, even though he's leading the league in a 487 OBP. You know who Joey Votto is? Joey Votto is that kid in your high school who's the, the really smart kid who's on got the honor roll going on. He's a valedictorian. And right before – right before a test he's like hey man i don't think i'm ready and everybody knows he's gonna get a 95 and it's just pissing you off (laughs) that's fair that's fair and he's the one just like really stressing out everyone knows he's he's gonna get a 95 and everyone's like oh my god i can't fucking stand you right now like you're gonna get a 94 you know that's joey vado and i think that's a pretty good analogy No, no i think i think that's a pretty solid analogy um, I mean, Joey Votto is a legend within himself, but yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of like that, let's, I mean, I kind of wanted to dive a little bit more into this um, Philadelphia Phillies trade with the Mariners. Um, let's like, from the Phillies perspective, what do you think of that trade, Richard? Um, well, I, I saw something about uh, Gene Segura that I think his war over the last five years was top 25 in baseball. So in terms of that, they got themselves a pretty solid um Solid, solid player in Segura, uh, especially with J.P. Crawford. He hasn't really been working out. They probably expected a lot more from Carlos Santana, and they didn't really get it. They can move Reese Hoskins to first base now, and they got a pretty good offensive weapon that they can slot at the top of their lineup right now. Um, so from the Phillies' perspective, I kind of like it. They got, got rid of the, Hos- of the Carlos Santana contract, and they're giving J.P. Crawford a fresh start. I don't. I think it's a good move. No, I think honestly, it was absolutely a highway robbery. That's just my own personal opinion. I like for the same exact reasons that you kind of just said, Richard. I really think that it's a highway robbery. But um, speaking of money, um, there was actually some spent today in Major League Baseball by the Washington Nationals. Um, uh, Patrick Corbin, anybody? What was his contract like? One hundred and forty million dollars over six years. Jesus. Yo, Pete, we're going to go play some catch in Las Vegas because we're going to start making pitching money in the next five years. Oh, absolutely, man. Oh, my God. Okay, now, now, on a serious note, 
Is this signaling what I think it's signaling for the Nationals? If you're referring to the likelihood diminishing of re-signing Bryce Harper, I would say yes. But I actually think that this is actually I, – I am one in the minority, and maybe it's because I'm also crazy. But I actually think this is a, this is a ginormous sign that the Nationals are going to Nationals, like I predicted earlier. I actually think that this, this signing only strengthens the fact that the Nationals might go for Bryce Harper. Like they got, they gotta win. They gotta get over the hump eventually. And right now, with with Corbin, with Scherzer, with Strasburg in their rotation, uh, they have Soto and they have Robles coming up. I think they're gonna make a play for Bryce Harper, especially because what they did with the Corbin contract is they literally replaced guys like Gio Gonzalez. Um, I'd have to look at a John Heyman tweet. Um, he literally <laughs> put a salary tweet down saying how Corbin and Jan Gomes literally replaced. Uh, Weeders, Geo, and a couple other dudes. So that means that they technically should still have money for Bryce Harper. But of course, if Bryce wants a ton of money, I don't really know. And yeah, I, I think people are genuinely underestimating the value of the Jan Gomes trade too. Like Jan Gomes is a solid catcher. I, I honestly believe he's more than a solid catcher. I think he calls a really good game of baseball. He's got a very good arm. And then yeah. on top of that, he's got a bat that could definitely produce at the plate for the catching position. That's for sure. Like to me, like what more could you want? And the fact that you didn't have necessarily give up that much for him, and he's got contract. I mean, he's got contract years under him and all that fun stuff. Like, how? What is there not to love about like that trade? I think the position that the Nats are in right now is they don't really need Harper that much. They have Robles. They have Soto. They have Adam Eaton. Like they have a pretty, they have a really good outfield right now. Obviously, Robles is still young, and you don't really know how Soto is going to come into his first full season. But like that's legit. And if you look around the diamond, like they're pretty good offensively. I think the main thing with the Nats is just to shore up their bullpen and figure out what they're doing in there, because that's that's something that's been plaguing them the past couple of years. Absolutely. They can't have Max Serger pitch every single inning of every single game because if <laughs> if it was possible, believe me, they would have done it. Absolutely. Caleb, what are you thinking about all this, man? Um, I really like the deal for Jan Gomes. I think that's going to be one of their best offseason moves so far. One of the common denominators for issues the Nats have had over the last couple of years is definitely catching. Uh, Matt Wieters has not been the same player ever since he had Tommy John surgery. He's just not. That's just the way it is. Ramos, you know, he's a guy who's, you know, he filled in the blank for a little bit. But they've just been struggling behind the plate. And so getting someone like Jan Gomes, who's able to be an effective pitch caller behind the plate and can give you a big bet, I, I really like the deal. And like Richard mentioned, you got Robles and Soto coming up. They got some really good offensive production coming up this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, like I said, I think they're going to make a play for Harper. But if Car- Harper decides to go somewhere else, it's not the end of the world. Um, here's the John Heyman tweet. So the Nats have basically replaced Weeders, who was making 11 mil. Gio, who was making 12 mil, and Matson, who was making 8 mil, for Corbin, who's now making 23 million annually, and Jan Gomes is making 8 million. So, I mean, I'll take that. So, based on that logic, they should still have money to spend. And I think at this point, the Nationals just have to go all in. Like you have to. Yeah, I hear. Yeah. Yep. 
I, I genuinely think it's a hot take. I'm just genuinely saying this. Bryce Harper's going back to the Nationals. I'm just saying it. I, I just think it make it makes sense. And, like, I completely get it that if the, the Nationals have put themselves in a really unique position, if they don't get Harper back, then guess what? They're still good. But, like, imagine how much better they would be if they did have him on that roster. Like, looking at that roster now – that still that's a pretty scary roster to me. Mm-hmm. So like in general, I think they're gonna do it. I just think they are. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see in the coming weeks. But who's the best team in the NL in the NL East right now? Uh, oh my god, Richard. Yes, the Atlanta Braves. Oh my god. Atlanta. Well, gotta, I mean the Braves, I mean they have what's working for them right now. They got a lot of young studs. They got guys coming up. And Caleb, Caleb one word answer. Who's the best team in the NL East right now? The Braves. Good answer. What we right now? Richard, we get it. The Braves are basically turning themselves possibly into the Warriors of baseball. Like, relax. <laughs> Going out and getting Josh Donaldson was a power move. Oh, no, that was a big-time power move. Like, that's that that was a boss move right there. For one year? So, literally, he could be so good in that lineup if he stays healthy. And if not... It's a one-year deal. Exactly. That, 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 that's, that's a boss move right there. It really is. Yeah. But now kind of shifting focus, like I said earlier, the MLB winter meetings are coming up in Las Vegas this this upcoming weekend, and they're going to, I believe, December 9th up to December 13th. Everyone's coming down to Las Vegas, Mandalay Bay. Are you excited, Caleb? You're coming down. Oh, I'm super excited. I mean, last year was a great experience down in Orlando. Um, I mean, you get the opportunity to meet with a bunch of executives, um, sometimes players. Last year, I got to buy uh, David Ross a beer. And you know what? That was the highlight of my week. So if you know, maybe you see Bryce Harper down there. Maybe Chris Bryant's trying to bring him over to the Cubs. I mean, it, it is Bryce's home there in Vegas. So I, I think we're in for a fun time. Okay. Speaking of that, do you think there's an actual shot of the Cubs getting Bryce Harper? You know what? I don't. Um, as much as, you know, he may want to be there or as much as Chris Bryant may want to be there, is the payroll really there to set him up in the way that he wants? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. Pete, you excited for Vegas? Oh, absolutely, man. Like, first off, it's Vegas. But, like, let's let's put that to the side. The winter meetings are always just a great experience to be around in terms of the networking fair and just being around all those type of people. Like, it's just a genuinely great experience, and it's something I definitely look forward to. On top of that, I finally get to look – I mean, I finally look forward to actually getting to meet all of you in person and not over a video call. I look so much better in person. I look so much worse. Oh, that's see. Caleb. I can I can agree with Richard there because I saw him last year. I did not see Pete. Yeah, no, I wasn't there because um, assistant Wait. regional managers typically, I mean, at least last year, didn't go to the winter meetings. And yeah. Wait, Caleb, you saw me last year? I did. Did I see you? I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. I know I met you know Kurt, Justin, and yeah. all them, and but I don't remember exactly if I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Jesus, I do not remember that. Now you're too busy being, you know, off and doing your thing. Oh, yeah. You're too busy being Richard, being like the Atlanta Braves of himself, right? Basically. Yeah. It must be those Canadians. You know, he's, he's the Atlanta Braves of Canada. That's what he is. Speaking of uh, Canada and the Atlanta Braves, who's the best prospect in the Braves system? Once again, Caleb, one word answer. Ooh. 
that's, that's one, tough. No, it's not. It's not? You don't think so? No. It's pretty simple. I mean, you got Mike Soroka. Uh, I mean, he's well, a star. Mike Soroka. And good Canadian boy. That's the best. I mean, best. you got to love him, Richard. I know you do. Dude, he is the best prospect in that system. Is and that because he's Canadian, Richard? Maybe. But here, maybe. Is that why you like Jerry Kalenic so much? Okay, Kalenic is a stud, though. He, he was a fun draft pick this year. I think Richard like obsesses over him a little bit more because he's Canadian. It's like Noah Naylor. Remember when he did, couldn't stop talking about him? Oh, my him? gosh. Yes. Keep, it, oh, keep in mind that in Canada, you don't really find like really, really good prospects every year, right? You go down to the States. You go down to the States, you have a draft of Carter Stewart, um, Ethan Hankins. Who's a Vandy kid? Um, Kumar Rocker. Oh, Kumar Rocker. You know, uh, the Rodriguez kid that the um, Baltimore Orioles signed, uh, drafted in the first round. Um, uh, Weathers, the guy the Padres drafted. Like he, these guys are all legit arms. You don't have that in Canada. So when we have a dude like Noah Naylor coming out and he's legit, I'm kind of excited. Mike Soroka, uh, Mike Soroka, I think he has some of the most insane movement on his two-seam fastball. And the guy's 20. So like, if you watch high school prospects, they usually throw four-seam fastballs as hard as they can. You, you kind of develop your two-seamer as you go through the minors, unless you're just like an insanely top-end pitcher. Mike Soroka, he's one of the only guys who you just watch him pitch and you're like, geez, this guy's legit. Um, but in terms of Jared Klenick, one, he's close enough to Canada for it to be legit. Um, he's a Wisconsin boy. And just all the things I've heard about Kalanick, um, last year at the PBR Super 60, some of the stuff I heard from scouts down there is this dude put on a show. And I think, I think uh, Jared Kalanick is for real. Like, he's going to hit. I think he's going to hit for power. can run. He can throw. I think his arm is his best tool. And um, But back to the winter meetings. Uh, Caleb, you've been there before. If you can give advice to a kid who has never been, this is his first time attending the winter meetings, what would your advice be? It would be to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, making introductions is one of the hardest things you can do, especially if you're an introverted person. And so it's kind of being able to get out of the shell and just walk up to somebody being like, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so and this is what I'm looking for. Or, you know, just finding ways to interact with other people. I met people I never thought I would last year. And it's a really fun experience being able to say, hey, I met this guy from this and this is what he's going to be doing. And that's really cool. And sometimes you get offered, you know, jobs that you didn't even think of. Like, for instance... Last year, um, I was at Subway and ended up talking to a guy from the Reds. And, you know, he was like, hey, you know, you want to interview for a spot? And so those kind of things happen and are really neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just to kind of jump off of Caleb's thing, I think the most important thing that you do at the winter meetings is it's very much a networking event. Um, in order for you to kind of actually make yourself productive at the winter meetings, you kind of need to shake as many hands as possible get as many business cards as possible and just get your name out there as much as possible. And, you know, as a person who like myself is introverted as well, like I understand how hard that can be to kind of break out of that bubble at first, but here's the way I like to think about it. When you go up and talk to these people at the winter meetings and just, you know, these big intimidating businessmen or whatever, you kind of just go up to them and just kind of approach it like Tinder. For example, you just go and you just, 
You throw it out there. You shoot Where your shot. Right now. Where are you going? Where are you going with this? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. When you go on Tinder and you message somebody, you're like, okay, I'm trying this. Boom. And if it works, they message you back and cool. You got a conversation. You're vibing. But like at the winter meetings, it's the same thing. You go up, you go out there, you introduce yourself, you shake your hand, you do something cool like that. And if they're vibing to it, you guys have a conversation, something positive comes out of it. If not, then, you know, it's yeah. whatever, man. Like The only difference, Pete, is I'm pretty sure on Tinder when you set out those feelers, you don't get responses. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I think what Pete is saying, you got to have a pretty good opening line when you get to the winter meetings. Like, say something smooth to set the mood. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. You got to walk up there with that executive pickup line, right? Like, uh, like you've been here before. Exactly. Exactly. Like a pro. Like, yeah. like a pro of getting pickup cards. I mean, you're a pro of get, of just getting people's business cards. That's what you are. You're a pro. That's a, that sounds horrible. <laughs> it, it sounds a lot better in my head i'm gonna be honest with you hi i'm pete horner and i i, I literally the only reason why i'm here is i just want your business card <laughs> um, when you're talking to a girl on tinder you want their snapchat or their number i mean like so like are you saying you never asked a girl on tinder for a business card <laughs> i mean i mean but she unmatched me like you should. Con- that's why you gotta always connect on LinkedIn first. <laughs> yeah, LinkedIn can be a very romantic tool. Like well, at the very least, you have that professional connection. And if she becomes super rich and famous, boom. Exactly. It's all about building connections. There's a connection you need. Uh, but yeah, uh, Pete is the type of guy who probably uses Tinder for professional connections. <laughs> totally. So is that what you're going to be doing while you're in the meetings there, Pete? You're going to be there swiping right, making walking, sure you make some connections? I'm the hotel the entire time, just swiping, just swiping, just waiting to see if I could just find like a, a business executive or something like that, you know, just shooting them the pickup lines like, hey, give me your business card. That's totally what I'm going to be doing the entire winter meetings. My and they'll be going automatic swipe left. Yeah, absolutely. Like in general, like, yeah, oh yeah, you're right, you're right. But, like, I'm just going to be face deep in my phone. I'm not going to be talking to anybody. I'm not going to, like, look up and give eye contact to a single person. I am just literally going to stare at my phone and just be on Tinder the entire time. Oh, God. This podcast is so gross. He turned it into <laughs> a party. How is, how is this bad? Dude, Pete, whatever <laughs> happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. There's a reason we're going. Exactly, my man. Exactly. This is very true. Um, but... Pete, you haven't you haven't gone. Uh, you weren't in Orlando last year. Um, what are you looking forward to most, other than meeting me um, at the winter meetings? Um, I know you got your pitching uh, coach job. So, what is this event all about for you? I mean, um, like all, to actually be genuinely serious and not use networking as a joke for Tinder. I think in general, like one thing that I'm definitely looking forward to, especially for the winter meetings is kind of building off what I said before. Like I wasn't there last year, unfortunately for certain reasons, but I was there the year before. And the one thing I just loved was the environment where you could just kind of go up to people and you can talk with them. You get a business card or you make a connection, you connect with them on LinkedIn. And then there's a lot of, like I have countless stories from the first time I was at the winter meetings and just, how many connections I made and that's where it's led me now. Like, for example, like we talked about in the last uh, 
podcast, I met Justin there. And that's where kind of this whole CBBSN thing started for me. And mm-hmm. me, like, I'm just kind of looking forward to getting down there and not only helping CBBSN in any way that I can, but just in general, like, I'm just looking forward to shaking hands and networking because once again, you are who you know. And like, well, I wouldn't. Well, it's, it's a saying. I've heard old people say it before, so I guess it has some relevance. But the point is, is that like, just in general, I just, I'm just looking forward to networking and just meeting people. And just, I always love being in the same room with people who are just as passionate about the game of baseball as myself. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's just, it's always a great opportunity to do that again. So I'm really looking forward to it. Richard, yeah. what are you looking most forward to? Because you've got a lot of things going on for you next week. And obviously a lot of that, we're going to have to keep some of it confidential, but like in general, you've got a lot of stuff going on for you. What are you most excited about? Um, just smiling and waving, man. You know, like so you're basically going to be the queen of England. Yeah, no, I was actually, have you guys ever seen the, the movie Madagascar? Yes. There's, no, we haven't. Well, I don't know what you guys watch in the States, but there's those three penguins and all they do is smile and wave. That's going to be me. But on a serious note, um, I have a few meetings set up. I'm really excited. Um, I've been emailing a lot of teams the past few weeks, uh, talking about the research I'm doing in grad school, talking about my scouting background, talking about my background with the Kalicha Baseball Scouting Network, with Prep Baseball Report. So looking, I'm really looking forward to it. And you might um, keep up with the MLB winter meetings on Twitter or watch MLB Network, and you think it's just one big hoopla where um, Brian Cashman and Dombrowski are making these massive trades and Harper's getting signed and Machado's getting signed. But at the end of the day, the winter meetings are just one big networking event. And, and I'm, I'm really excited to shake as many hands as possible. Hopefully my meetings go well. Um, really excited about just meeting everybody from our company um, and meeting some new people. It's going to be really exciting, but the one thing I'm really concerned about is the meetings start on Sunday. But Caleb, you know what Sundays are for? I mean, Saturdays are for the boys, so Sundays are for football. Yeah. So what are we gonna do? Because here's the thing with with Caleb and I: before every Sunday, we always talk about making uh, point spread picks and all all of that, and then we just watch a lot of football. Well, you see, what's going to happen is we're first going to go and waste a lot of money, you know, making these picks while in Vegas. Because, I mean, we're in Vegas for a reason. So it's not going to be on the computer. You know, you're not going to be running down to the gas station, putting in your $20 picks. It's going to be, you know, actual professional picks. And then you see we're going to walk around with a tablet all day watching Red Zone. Oh, I really like that idea. We're going to ruin everything about our futures on the very first day because of football. You're going to jump into your mommy's 401k betting on football games down in Vegas. <laughs> You're not wrong. Well, well, first of all, one, it's not mommy's money, so that's good. Uh, I'm, I'm using up my rent money, which is bad. <laughs> oh, bro. Dude, you got to spend big to win big. There we go. Like you gotta, you gotta throw your rent money on the line because you gotta trust the process. You gotta grind, right? Exactly. Wait. With that being said, me, both me and Richard trusted the process this last week, and we kind of got screwed a little bit. Oh god, everything went wrong. Carolina, what are they doing? What is wrong with Carolina? They're not this bad. 
Well, even with the Steelers pick, I mean, did you guys see that there actually is replay evidence now showing that that blocked kick should have actually been legal? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. The spread on that game was 3.5 anyways, so I was just like praying for overtime. Um, Carolina's playing Cleveland this week, and the spread on that game is negative 1.5. That's our early spread. And watch it. The Browns are actually pretty good. Watch it. Like, I'm not taking that game. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just avoiding Carolina at all costs. Like Carolina like should probably finally win a game, but I don't even know anymore. I don't. I don't things have started off so well for me. Um, I, I, I believe a month ago it was. I won two straight weeks. I won my rent money. Everything was good in my world. And everything just, just started falling apart. You guys like, want to do something really stupid? Yeah, hit us with it. Okay, so, like, you know, you guys are, like, talking about spread and all that kind of stuff, and I'm going to be honest, I have no clue what the hell you guys are talking about. Like, I'm going to be honest, like, you know, like, do you guys, like, I don't know if you have this up in Canada, Richard, but do you guys have, like, TeamStream up in Canada? Um, What is TeamStream? It's, like, Bleacher Report. Like, the reports come on, like, your phone, notifications, all that stuff. Yeah, like we, yeah we get that. We have the score up here, which is pretty so- Pretty much the same thing. Yeah, so I get so I get like these like notifications that's like Shannon Sharp picks the Browns plus one point five percent today against the or whatever, and I'm like I don't even know what the hell that means. Can you guys like explain whatever the hell that means to me? And like, you <laughs> do the honors. Yeah, sure. Okay, so point spread, buddy. Basically, <laughs> the way you're gonna look at it is if there's a minus in front of it. So say minus three point five or three and a half. Okay, that if you take that pick. You are saying that that team is not only going to win, but they are going to win by at least three and a half points. Okay, and so basically, yeah. So then, and then the other the other number, the plus three point five. Okay, that's the underdog. Now you can take this team to win. If they win, you win. But they can lose, and if they're still within that spread, that three and a half points, you still win. So to kind of use a, use an example, uh, for this upcoming week, Green Bay is an early six-point favorite um, over Atlanta, which I might like Atlanta. Nah. I'm taking Atlanta in that game. I kind of like Atlanta in that game. But um, to get back to this, Green Bay is a six-point favorite. Say I pick Green Bay on my point spread, that means I need them to win by at least seven points for me to win that game. Okay. okay. Okay, I got you. I got you. Caleb, I have to admit, I, I want to thank you for explaining that in such a nice tone like you were talking to a sixth grader about what the <laughs> is. Hey, or, we're going to show you how to do this Vegas style, okay? Me and Richard are on top of this, Pete. You're going to lose a lot of money. Don't worry. Oh, I don't have a lot of money to lose, so you guys better be good at what you're doing. Oh, we're, we're okay. Oh, oh great. <laughs> that, that, that's wonderful. When it's Richard, I, I, I feel Richard. like you're okay at gambling. You're you're pretty good compared like, to like Richard. If you like went in, if you went into a job interview tomorrow, say like the I don't know, say like the Atlanta Braves call you and they're like, yeah, we want you to interview for a job, and you walk in there and you're just they're just like, how are you with pitch development and all that kind of stuff? And you're like, eh, I'm okay. How confident do you think they're going to be in hiring you? Probably not too good. Exactly. So why should I feel confident in all in your guys' decision making if you're like, eh, I'm okay at it? Because I feel like gambling, especially with point spreads, I feel like, eh, okay. Like, that's pretty good. Because, like, I know some guys who are just horrible, and they do it every single week. And that's pretty much most people in the world, um, believe it or not. Um, 
have one. Pete, besides that too, you know, there's prop bets you can make, and those are the ones where you know you might be a little better at. Oh God! you could make. Dude, we're talking to a 12-year-old who just drank his first first drink a couple of weeks ago. Um, hey, I'm but, not 12. I'm 13. <laughs> the, the I am 12 kid. But um, just back to the point spread thing. So Green Bay, six-point favorite. But if Green Bay wins by six, that game kind of goes off your point spread. Like that game is irrelevant. Because if you pick Green Bay on that on that point spread, they have to win by at least seven. But if you take Atlanta, they have to either beat Green Bay or lose within five points or less. That's how point spreads work. Uh, I got you. I think I'm just going to stick to fantasy baseball. Yeah, that works. But you're not too good oh, at it Pete. Are you a champion like I am? Oh, well, sorry. Let me let me bow down to Caleb over here. I'm just saying. Yeah. Caleb, we're going to actually close out our uh, this this episode real soon. But this dude talks about fantasy baseball like he's a god. But we had a trade this past year in fantasy Oh, baseball. my God. <laughs> I got Daniel Murphy for um, Pete. Who did, you, who did you get? Um, Eduardo Escobar. Ooh. <laughs> that was a straight-up deal. Yeah, yeah, well, here's the thing. Daniel Murphy was still out with knee injuries. Signs were pointing at him being gone for an extended, long period of time. I thought Eduardo Escobar was a nice under-the-radar chip piece that could potentially help me. So I was like, cool, let's swap him and get him out of here because I was, was not thinking that Daniel Murphy was going to play for the rest of the year. Yeah, um, Daniel Murphy ended up hundred that year. And yep. uh, speaking of healthy players in fantasy um, – Remember when? Oh, Jacob, don't even, don't, don't, hey, don't even, don't hey, even. Hey, wait, wait. Remember when Jacob Degrom was supposed to get Tommy John surgery, and then the mess just miraculously uh, uh, cured Jacob Degrom's Tommy John. And I traded him for Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Where did you finish in the standings? That um, I stopped paying attention in July, Richard. So I mean, dude, that's kind of like the Blue Jays. It's okay. I'm on comeback season. You guys better watch out. This year I'm coming for I'm coming for heads, man. I'm coming for blood, uh, dude. Well, anyways, man. Uh this has been a pretty fun episode. Um Caleb, are you excited for Vegas? When when do you land? I'll be there at four o'clock on Saturday. P how about you? I I will be there at like I believe nine thirty on Saturday. Oh wow. Wait at night? Yeah, yeah. at night. Yeah, and you're gonna be waiting up for me. Yeah, um, I know. I know it's a really late flight, but um, when you're in Cleveland, um, there's apparently only one flight to go to Las Vegas on a um, Friday. I mean, yeah, on a Saturday, excuse me, and it's at seven fifty-two at night. So, um, I mean, because like Vegas is such a boring city, right? Like, apparently, there's nothing to do there, right, Richard? Almost as bad as Cleveland, dude. Um, actually, arrive. Uh... 10 30 p.m. So you're going to wait up for me and my Saturday is going to be nuts. So because I'm a grad student, um, I actually have to proctor a midterm from nine to 12 um, in the morning, go home, drive home. My drive home from school is about an hour and a half. Um, grab a bunch of things, say hi to my parents, say bye to my parents. Um, they won't miss me anyways, but go down to the airport, come to Vegas. That's the plan. 
Well, I think that'll be a beautiful situation for both of us, Richard. I'll sit there. I'll stare at my laptop for an hour. I'll wait for you. And then we can like split an Uber fare. That's less money I have to spend. Like That's less money that I have to spend on the Uber and more money on um, gambling on football. And Caleb, what are you going to be doing throughout all this? Because you said you're getting there at what? You said four o'clock? Yeah. So you see what's going to happen. You know, upon landing, you know, I'll make some introductions, meet some people. And then, you know, while I wait for uh, Rich, he'll, he'll find me in the gym with Arona waiting for him. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Well, I can't, I can't wait to drink Arona with you, Caleb. But on that note, um, almost time for us to wrap, wrap things up. Uh, Caleb, anything else you wanted to say before we let you go forever? Yeah, how about this? Uh, how about Kyler Murray just took over as the Heisman favorite out of Oklahoma, and currently he's being paid, you know, what, $4.6 million by the Athletics to continue playing football. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? I think that's awesome. You're getting paid, and you're playing – you're the starting quarterback at Oklahoma, and you're going to win – you might even win the Heisman because uh, Alabama has got hurt now. That's That's lit. I don't know what else to say. Um, I don't watch too much college football um, down uh, too much American college football, but like, that just seems fun. I'm like, gonna be honest, like, I, dude, I feel like the o- Oakland Athletics can't wait for this season to end. Like, <laughs> this guy gets. Oh, this guy is a human cheat code, dude. Like, wait, why is how how good do you think he can be playing football, like pro football? I don't know. I don't know if a system really – it depends where he would go, what kind of system fits for him. Because you have these, you know, what about Lamar Jackson? Like, I mean, obviously Kyler's got a better arm than he does, but they're same same styled players. So it depends on the system you kind of go into. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, to that point, I feel like, like you said, Kyler Murray has a much better arm. But Baltimore is making Lamar Jackson kind of work right now. And it's oh, an, yeah. exciting, an exciting team to watch. And I feel like Kyler Murray would fit right in, in, in the right system, of course. But, of course, playing – I mean, with baseball, he's already getting paid. Well, and on that note, all these quarterbacks getting hurt professionally now. Uh, you know, Alex Smith getting hurt with the Redskins, and all of a sudden you got Colt McCoy, uh, former Longhorn, coming in there. He's now hurt. And the return of Mark Sanchez, the butt fumble came full circle. Oh, God. Did, did anybody I, notice that Mark Sanchez recovered a fumble with his butt? Yep. <laughs> That had to be the greatest moment of like my football, like watching life when I saw that. When like, you're come full circle, like Caleb kind of said, and he just recovers a fumble with his butt. I'm just like, oh my god! I'm- Not only that, but did Mark Sanchez rejuvenate AP's career? One one handoff to AP, he goes 90 yards for a touchdown. Hey, 26 carries with Drew Brees, he runs for only 81 yards. Who's the better quarterback? <laughs> I mean, did you see that handoff? Perfect, oh, it was beautiful, pristine, pristine, pristine technique. It was great. Wow. Uh, it's something Bill Belichick would have drawn up. Um, but on that note, we could talk about football and Coronas for a long, long time. Caleb, thank you for joining us on this episode of Pitching to Contact. Pete, it's been a pleasure as always. Always going to be back. We're going to be back next week. Probably going to have a lot of guests uh, next week down in Vegas. We're going to have a few other people from our team. Going to be exciting. I'm excited. Peace. I'll see you next week. Slow down. Girl, you're moving too fast. Slow down. Girl, you're moving too fast. Slow down. Girl, you're moving too fast.